Father, I, I, I know that there's a release that you want to give to your body this morning. So I'm going to release exactly what you've given me to those that are listening online, those that are sitting here in the, in the auditorium. somebody sitting right now at a kitchen table. I could see them sipping on something, maybe hot tea. Your head bowed and you're just shaking your head. You don't know what to do next. I'm speaking to you. God says, come home, come home, just come home. Just come home. Just come home. Home is always waiting for you. Come home. Come back home to Jesus. 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 Father, I thank you for the word that you've given me for your people. I thank you for the release of anointing. I thank you for the time spent in your presence. I thank you for the healing that has already happened in the auditorium, that you've already been healing folks on Facebook and YouTube and Restream and Stitcher, all of these areas that we releasing your word into and worship into you're touching and you've been healing already and we thank you for that let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart this morning be acceptable to you let no word come out of these lips father that you did not preordain to significantly change the lives of someone. Father, I thank you for this in the name of Jesus. And it is so. 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 I'm going to go back to something old because I believe God has to release something this morning. Sheena. Hallelujah. Luke, Luke 15. You all know the story, but we're going to pull some things out. We're going to pull some things out. While you're feeling good, while you're feeling good, and you're going to Luke 15, we're going to read from verse 11 through 32. It's the the prodigal son story. You've heard it a hundred times, but there are two or three things that God wants me to release today that has to do with your future, has to do with the new year. By the way, we were worshiping here at about 10 this morning, nine, the worship team came in at 9, 
and by 10, 1005, there were uh, one, one, two, ten, 10 after 10, about 10 after 10, there were already six, five or six visitors that I met personally as pastor. And I did that because I love being in God's house on time. I just set you up for something. You remember I said, Sister Linda, that if you want people to do 100%, you gotta push yourself to 135 or 40? If you are a part of what God is doing here, you know God planted you here. And you get here on Sunday morning at 10.30 for service, and God forbid you stroll in or you check in online at 10.35 or 10.40, you don't understand that favor isn't free, that favor, favor isn't free. You don't understand that, that to get the favor on the back end, you got to go beyond 100 on the front end. If you're getting here exactly when church starts and six or seven visitors are here before you at your church, you've already relegated yourself to being just a follower. I don't care if you're an elder. I don't care if you're a deacon. I don't care if you're over. Thank God all of those areas in our church are folks that actually come and are here for God to do something. Thank you so much. So that if you are here at 1030, you should have no expectation that visitors were here before you. If you are here in our service at 1025, you should have no expectation that God has sent people who need to be touched, who will receive something from your smile, your handshake, your encouragement, that he would have sent them before you got here. Because you are not ready for them. I don't say this stuff often, but sometimes we got to do some house cleaning. I've been praying that God grow us, send us. Here's, here's the prayer we've been praying for five years. God, send us right, ready, people who are right for this church, ready to work, resolute. They come in, they understand what our doctrinal stance is, they see it connecting to the Bible, and they say, that's it. I accept that, and I believe it, and I'm going to receive it, I'm going to stand on it resolutely. I will defend the doctrine of God's word connected to this ministry. Right, ready, resolute. Resilient. You know that when you get here, somebody that don't know what they need to know is going to tell you about your church and they never went to your church. They're going to tell you, you don't need to be that committed. They're going to tell you, 
all kinds of stuff. You need to be resilient. Because as soon as you start pressing in, trouble going to happen. I'm putting you on notice. Trouble is going to happen. And you have to have an attitude of resilience already set. You can't get it when you're in trouble. It's got to be there. I'm making it out. I'm going to stand on the word of God. I am not going to get grumpy. I am not going to complain. I am going to worship in the midst of my worry. And I'm going to say, God, I'm trusting you. You're right. You're ready. You're resilient. You're resolute. And you're rock solid. We've prayed that prayer for five plus years. God send us right, ready, resolute, resilient, rock solid laborers. And the minute we started praying that prayer, God slowed down the number of people coming in. And I said, Lord, why? He said, because just because you got a whole lot of numbers coming in and out doesn't mean that you're growing. I've been connected to two major organizations. One of them, huge church in our area. Another outside of Florence. That at the time of the pandemic were running between 1,800 and 5,000 members. People coming into the sanctuary on Sundays, on the weekends. And during the pandemic, both churches suffered a 50 plus percent fall off. Meaning that people weren't just show, not showing up in the church because of the pandemic. They weren't even tuning in on the TV. And what they found out after doing their church survey and bigger organizations, they do a lot of surveys, they found out that, that those 50-something percent that weren't there anymore had already made a decision about why they were coming to the church. It was always about the youth department. It was always about the children's ministry. It was always about something outside of God. It was something outside of God. They did not have a, a God-sized thirst. So the pandemic came at a good time for those people because it was a real legitimate excuse it was, a, it was a, 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 a wolf in sheep's clothing wrap. To say, I'm not there because of the pandemic. When in actuality, they were begging for a pandemic to come so they don't have to show up. So once I started praying and got the leaders to start praying, God send us right, ready, Resolute, resilient, rock-solid laborers, numbers drop off. Because now we're asking God to be selective. Send us the, the unsaved that are really needing your help. And don't, send a, don't allow those that are full of carnality jumping from one church and come bring more carnality to this church. And every church they go to, they take their same carnal self to and they do not change. We want wrecked sinners or we want ready Amen. Christians coming. 
Luke 15. I think we had some issues with our on-screen scripture this morning, so just listen to me. You know the story. Then he said, this is the parable, prodigal son. A certain man had two sons. The younger of them, I'm reading from the amplified version of the Bible. The younger of them inappropriately said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that falls to me, my inheritance. So the father, without quarreling or fussing or fighting with him, divided the estate between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered together everything that he had and traveled to distant country, and there he wasted his fortune in reckless and immoral living. Verse 14. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to do without and be in need. So he went and forced himself on one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. He would have gladly eaten the pods that the pigs were eating, but they could not satisfy his hunger. And no one was giving anything to him. Verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough to eat while I am dying here with hunger? 18, I will get up and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight I've sinned against you also. 19, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me like one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him and said to him, The son said to his father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quickly, bring out the best robe for the guest of honor and put it on him. Give him a ring on his hand with my, the family signet and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and slaughter it and let us invite everyone to feast and celebrate. For this my son was as good as dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. Can't stop there. Now his older brother was in the field and when he returned and approached the house He heard music and dancing, so he summoned one of the servants and began to ask, what does this celebration mean? And he said to him, your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. 
But the elder brother became angry and deeply resentful and was not willing to go in. I want you just to, you know, as I'm moving, to let you understand. The, fat, the, the elder son, it, well, I'm not going to. I'm jumping. He's deeply angry and resentful and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he said to his father, look, these many years I have served you. I have never neglected or disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me a young goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this brother, this son of yours arise, who has devoured your estate with immoral women and slaughtered that you slaughtered the fatted calf for him, the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But it was fitting to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was as good as dead, and now he's alive. He was lost, and now he's been found. Just going to share a few things on I don't know if I should even give it a, a subject heading. I'm just going to release. In the beginning of this story, I've read this story several times as a son of a pastor. I've grown up in church. I've, I've heard this story over and over. And I think what I missed, I think many of you also missed. So go back with me in, to the verse 11, 12. The younger of them inappropriately said to his father, give me my share of the property that falls to me. The Amplified says, so he divided the estate between them. Does anyone have, have a different, an NIV or something else that you're reading and, and see what the father said there and read it aloud? What did the father do? said, give me what belongs to me. And what did Father do? Come on. He gave them his life of his livelihood. He gave them he gave them what was each theirs? Did you guys even realize that when the younger brother went to the father and said, give me what is mine, that the father gave both of them theirs? Did you notice? Did you ever see that? Did you ever notice that? That when the father gave the younger what he was asking for, he also Give the older what was coming to him. I want you to get that. I want you to get that. He did not treat the older brother unfairly. 
His attitude is saying unfairly, isn't it? His attitude is saying, he got something you didn't give me. Give me. His attitude in the entire story keeps saying to, to us that I am not being treated in the same way, with the same love and fairness that you're treating him. And yet we see very clearly he divided the estate between them. I don't know who I'm talking about. Well, I know who I'm talking about. There are some folks that are in church. They call themselves Christians. They call themselves Christ followers. But if you are connected to them in any way, it doesn't matter what success. Listen, how many of you know God has blessed you even when you were in your wrong? Do you have a recollection of how many times he has? Thousands. There are people in this season. Remember we talked about saying no? Remember we talked about the fact that, that our church is slowing down to speed up? It's because we're reversing what the world has always taught us. That the world and the world's way of thinking is build structure first. That when you work for a corporation, you get hired to fit into the structure. And the corporation does not mind, does not care how you get to your position. They don't care if you cut somebody's throat, if you step on their head, if you kick them. It doesn't matter. All they are concerned with is getting to the, your spot in the structure. Am I right? And I said that God does not work that way. That quite often the more educated you are in the body, the more you think about the structure of how the church should be run. And most of the time, the people who are fussing about structure in church don't have order in their lives. God cares about structure, but he does not care about structure first. He cares about order. I keep, I don't know why he's got me saying this stuff over and over again because somebody needs to hear this. In Genesis, the Godhead came together and said, let us make man. Why are people still fussing that Jesus is God and God is Jesus? All of these different religions, these different... In the very beginning, the Godhead, there are three distinct parts. And those parts said, let us make man. You don't need to argue beyond that. But we still got argument. You got to baptize in only the name of Jesus. Because if you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, that's not what the Word said. Well, the Word said in the beginning, let us make man. So why are you going beyond that? When 
When Jesus, when we see uh, humanity being, being given its space in Genesis, we are pointed to something that I need to release later. Sorry, guys. God keeps checking me. He divided it evenly. The younger son goes off and does what he wants to do. He wastes everything. He wasted. Let me say this. It's a spiritual law that if you get something free all the time, you will never learn how to keep it. Don't you let the Republican or the Democratic Party try to make you think this is a political thing. God's word said it first. If you don't work hard, you don't eat good. You're not going to turn that into politics. Anyone that, te- that comes to you from a political, I don't care what the angle is, you need to cut them off right away and say, I don't care about your politics either way. I, here's what God's word said. If I work hard and I worship him, he's going to bless me. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I'm doing. This young man squanders every single thing that was given to him. And one of the main reasons for that squander is because it was given to him freely. Not only was it given to him freely, it was given to him before he was ready to handle it. He wanted... To handle stuff he was not qualified for. He wanted to receive something that he did not have the good sense to handle. That is not something that your grandmama came up with. It is blowing my mind how many Christians believe that if they pray about something, they should automatically receive it. You know what I call that? Misappropriated faith. You know why faith has to, has to, has to bow before the supremacy of God? Because it is yours and mine. It is our responsibility to believe in faith. It is God's responsibility to decide if what you are believing in faith for is good for you. Somebody's going to get their feelings hurt this morning. 
Because we, we have been taught continuously, if you pray, if you fast for it, if you beg God for it, if you stand and you keep speaking the word, that you're going to get it. If that is true, then where does the supremacy of God step in? Where does it come to bear on your life that God will release or subtract things that are good or not good for you? Now I'm beginning to understand why Paul said, I don't know what I should pray for as I should. Did you guys hear that? You've read that before? I don't know what I should pray for as I ought to. But the spirit in me cries out to God with moans and yearnings that cannot be uttered in words. Start looking around. The people who normally are speaking the most faint words are quite often the people that spend the least time with the Spirit of God. Amen. That speaking faint words, words do not take the place, do not take the place of passion and intimacy with God. As a matter of fact, our faith should come out of that. But once again, they want structure first. They want God to fix the outside before he fixed the inside. God does not work that way, guys. He works on the inside first. He gives, he gives, you, he gives you order. He brings order to your life. If you have Christ-like order to your life, then what comes out of that was what? Anointed action. And if anointed action is coming out of you, it will create, it will create godly structure. Internal order, anointed action, Christ-like structure. This boy leaves, takes everything that is his, and squanders it. Squanders it. At some point, at some point, he hits rock bottom because he was not ready for the blessing that he was given. It is the reason I said, don't be screaming for, for God to give you something when you feel you need it. Present whatever you need to God or you think you need, and then you release yourself to his will. Father, if it's not good for me now, don't give it to me now. 
It is not that this young man was not worth the inheritance given to him. It was that he was not supposed to have it then. He wasn't ready for it then. Some of us are crying out to God for the right thing at the wrong time. And then when God, you press him so hard that he said, fine, fine. If this is, okay, okay you, you, you're, not, you're not releasing yourself to me. You're not releasing your, yourself to me. You're, you're, you're trying to twist my arm here. And then when he allows you to do whatever you want to do, and you crash, then the first person we want to blame is God. He didn't cover us. He didn't take care of us. He didn't do this for us. He didn't do that for us. When, it, when what happened, what, what would happen, you know how we used to say, is that we got the right thing at the wrong time. He squanders it, and at the, in, 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 a, in a moment when he, he is at his rock bottom, he's at his worst place, he remembers how good his father is. He remembered how wonderful his dad was. And he says, I cannot continue doing this. I, it better be for me to be a servant with my dad. I want to submit to you that this guy is the guy I want to be only, only for the simple reason that he came to his senses. You are living in a society where everybody around you is looking at your external righteousness. They're looking at how you live your life externally. And they are intent in judging you based on that view. If you don't have vision, you will see this story and you will say, this young man was horrible. He was the worst son ever. But what you don't understand is that he was operating in his sinful humanity. Let me say that again. He was operating in his natural self. His older brother wanted to do the same thing. He just didn't have the guts to do it. His older brother had the same inclination. I want what's mine and I want it now. Wait a minute. That sounds like a commercial, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's the same mentality that is pervasive in our society and the world today. It has never changed. I want what I want and I want it now. And if I can't get what I want now, if I can't get... I'm, go, I'm going to be jealous, hateful, and I am going, I am going, I'm going to trip anybody who looks like they're getting fired and passed by me. That's exactly what the older brother was attempting to do here. 
because his mentality for leaving father illegitimately and moving out on his own and doing whatever he wanted to do was the same as his younger brother that left. If I had to pick one of them, I'm picking the the younger one. Only because he came to his senses. Is there anybody who in their life has hit rock bottom? You think you have hit? I mean, I'm going to put my hands up first. I've hit rock bottom in several areas of my life. I was asked recently about the passion that I have, the reason my type A personality has changed so much. I think my mama would even tell you now. Right, Ma? I have my mom right here. I still have a very strong personality, but what I don't have anymore is a controlling personality. What I don't have anymore is a, is a personality that, that is always trying to orchestrate everything in my life as if I know best. That that part of me has been submitted and I continue to beat it down like Paul. He goes back to his father. There's somebody here and this is really where we're going to camp out and we're going to end our service and go into communion. You've gone through your life and you have made mistakes. You have made mistakes. You have made mistakes. You're watching me online. You've made mistakes. You are the choices of God's creation. He's excited about you. He is running to you. If you are a person here this morning that knows you have made mistakes, But you have made a decision in this new season of your life that you're going to run after God with passion and you're going to run after God with intensity and you're going to ask him, I'm not even worthy to be your son. Make me a servant. First Chronicles Second Chronicles 7, 13, and 14. If I allow all of these crazy things to happen in the world and in your life. 14. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, repent. I'm going to come down and I'm going to forgive your sin. I hope you guys notice that these last couple of sermons that God has given me, I feel like I'm all over the place because I'm not my usual three-pointness. Just my theological training, my eschatology, my hermeneutics and hermeneutics is just, God is just making me talk to the body. He came back. Do you understand this morning that there is a fatted calf? Angels are waiting to celebrate your comeback. Do you understand 
that angels are waiting to put that ring back on your finger? Do you understand that God wants their people, their people, that are not saved, that will come back to God because they saw you come back. His father said, go out and invite everybody that used to know my son. Everybody that knew, that knew what he did, invite them to the party because he came back. He came back. I'm begging, I'm begging anyone. You're watching us online, you're here in the service. It's time to just say, I'm coming back, I, I may look, I don't even care if people talk about me. I don't care what they say. I know what it means to hit rock bottom. And you did not sit with me eating filth in the pig pen. When I was in the pig pen, all y'all left me. When I was not doing good at all in my life, none of you give me a phone call. And now, I don't care what you say. I know how good God is. I, I seen him in my mama. I seen him in my grandmama. I, see, I seen him touch people before. And I don't care what you say no more. I'm going back home. I'm going back home. I'm going back home. I'm going back home, Sister Moxie. I'm going back home. 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 I got to warn you. I got to warn you. Once you make this decision to go higher, it's sad for me to have to say this, but the first people who are going to come at you are religious church folk. People who've been in the house. Let me, let me, let me, let me. Being the eldest brother only means one thing. It's only one fact about being the eldest brother, Sister Benesta. And that is that he was around longer. It don't mean he was smarter. Doesn't mean he was nicer. Doesn't mean he was more Christian. It don't mean none of those things. You know, the only thing it means that he was around longer. And you're going to run into folk who the minute you start talking to them, they're going to tell you, I've been a Christian for 30 years, and let me tell you, I've been in the church for 40 years, and I know. I've been going to church all my life since I was 10. The only thing that that certifies is that they've been around longer. That's right. 
They're not more mature than God. They don't have a passion for God. They're not running after God. They're not seeking him with their whole heart. They're not fully committed. They are religious through and through. And they're coming to tell you, you don't need to do all that. Shut them up, baby. Shut them up. Shut them up. They weren't in your pig pen with you. They weren't in their mess with you. They didn't hit rock bottom with you. You hit rock bottom with you. And then you suddenly realize that Papa was there. That he was thinking about you while you were in your deepest, darkest place and just waiting for you to call his name. This morning as we go into communion, celebration of the Lord's Supper, I'm going to ask the elders to stand in front because we're going to, if you can probably put on the, that, that uh, display that because as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, I believe that God is going to start ministering to several people. God's ready for you to get to the next level. God's ready for you to get to the next level. And the next level for many of you is moving from... Here, here's the thing. If you, if you are a six... If the scale is one through 10 and you're a six, only by miraculous means will you ever impact a seven, eight, nine, or a 10. Outside of that, you will always only impact people who are six and below. If you want to impact sevens, if you want to impact a nine, you got to get up. You got to grow up. You got to grow up. There's no way around it. Occasionally, if you stay at six, God's going to open a door and you may touch the life of a nine or a ten. But the natural process of things is that if you are six, you're going to only touch six and below. There's four spots that God wants you to touch. And you can only touch that spot if you grow into it. Does somebody want to grow into their 10? Did I have somebody who's tired of being a five or six, or tired of being a, a seven? I, I, I spent too long at eight. I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, I'm coming home. I'm ready to be a 10. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Whatever the next level is, I'm ready. I'm ready to be it. If you've been a nine, God's ready for you to be a 10. If you've been a seven, God's ready for you to be an eight. Because there's always room. There's always room. Get your communion cups before you stand. If you can open them up, shake them up, get them nice mixed, open them. Get your, your wafer and your drink ready before you stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. If you don't have one, put your hands up. The ushers will get you one. You have one over here. Someone over here needs one. <laughs> oh, my, 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 my. I know this is a simple story, but God said to me, there's a release that I'm, I'm, I'm I, I, I want you home, is what he said to me. Come home. Come home. Come home. Come home. Come home. Just because you grew up in church don't mean you don't need to come home. Come home. Home is not just being in church. Home is saying, God, I'm ready to impact higher than I've been. I'm ready for the next level. I'm ready to move into a place of passion and intimacy with you that I have not experienced before. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Father, you, you, you sat with your disciples and you said, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I got to go. I've, I've imparted and I've trained and I've given you everything that I could to prepare you for the Christ life. I got to go. But I want you to, I want you to take this cup and take this wine and take the, the bread and every time you, you eat of this bread and drink this wine, I want you to, to remember what I did for you. I want you to remember what I did for you. Would you, would you stand with me, please? I have you, each of you, each of you, especially my young folks. Do you take a moment to just consecrate yourself and just say, God, I, I'm not perfect, but I do love you and I'm pressing. You know my heart and I want to get to the next level with you. And he's running, he's running to you, he's running to you, he's running to you. He's running to you. Today was not deep theological anything. It's just about getting back. Getting back. Father, we bear our souls to you. We sanctify ourselves. We consecrate ourselves to you. For too long we have been vessels that you could not use. Vessels that were not clean. Vessels that weren't shined and polished. Vessels that did not care to be used. But today, today we come, we come, we come, we come, we come. And we say, wash us Lord, wash us. Wash us with his up. Wash us with hyssop. Somebody help me. Wash me with hyssop, Holy Spirit. Wash me with your holy. Wash me with your blood. Wash me with your blood. Wash me with your blood. Wash me. Wash me. Wash me. I want to remember what you did for me on Calvary. That you could have called 10,000 angels, but you stayed there for me. Every nail pounded to your hands. 
You were saying, I ain't leaving, I ain't leaving. I, I love him too much. Every nail that was pounded to your feet, you kept saying, I'm not coming down. I'm not coming down. I love him, I love him, I love him. I'm not coming down. You kept saying that. I'm not coming down. We remember this morning what you did for us. Sanctify us. Sanctify us, Holy Spirit. Sanctify us. We're ready for the next level. We're ready for the next level. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Tell him. Tell him. Somebody. Just close your eye for a moment. Tell him. I'm ready for the next level. I'm consecrating for the next place in you. I'm opening the door, oh God. I'm opening my door and I'm saying, come in and wash me. 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 Father, as we partake in this sacrament, to celebrate your blood that was shed for us, oh God. Your blood that when applied to our soul and our spirit washes us white as snow. We celebrate the decision, oh Father, to allow that body of yours to be beaten and bruised and punched and cut and speared just for us, just for us, just for us. Today, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you eat with me? And now the cup that represents his blood shed for us, you drink together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the Lord God Almighty reigns. Hallelujah. 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 That's where we end this morning. Come on. Go in with me.
anyone here that needs special prayer after forget about what people say man go out there and God calls on you to go home in the next 24 hours or the next two hours you can't be messing with what people think you gotta know you ready for this for this trip you gotta know you ready you ready you ready you ready I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal. I'm going to ask everyone that is here that you don't leave without fellowshipping with someone, hugging someone, connecting with someone, inviting somebody to have coffee with you or go to lunch with you or do something. The Christ life is not just about coming to church. Yes. It's about connecting outside of church. I challenge you to meet somebody, shake a visitor's hand, shake a brother's sister's hand, hug them, connect with them, and be bold enough to ask them. Would you mind eating lunch with me sometime? Would you mind drinking a cup of coffee with me? And connect. And connect. We're going to sing that at the end as soon as I pray the dismissal prayer. Anyone that needs additional prayer, just come up very quickly. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to release purpose in you. And we're going to see God do great things for you and through you. Lift your hands with me as we dismiss. Father, I have spoken everything I thought that you gave me to release. Very simple direct word about a story that we've heard over and over but it's all about the spirit the spirit man the spirit man the spirit man coming home coming home coming home coming home coming home being humble being humble being humble being humble father we thank you for your word this morning we thank you for your holy spirit this morning we thank you for worship this morning we thank you for touching us this morning and healing us and delivering us, giving us breakthrough. Father, in the name of Jesus, as your people leave this place today, we're not leaving your presence. We're just leaving the building and we're taking you with us. Cover every person as we travel. Cover our cars, our homes. Give us an excitingly holy week, today, this, this new week. A week of breakthrough, a week of anointing, a week of favor. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.